Welcome to a bonus episode of this podcast where we continue the conversation from Renovate Live. This month, I've got a couple of special guests, and we're going to jump into a discussion on what it looks like for Christians to navigate the narrow road of unity, specifically around the areas of race and politics. Enjoy. Welcome to this continued conversation from our Renovate Live this past October. Um, what we're going to do in this conversation is really follow up from the premise that I set up in the sermon, which was really this idea that we, uh, within the church, um, have become increasingly polarized, specifically over racial and political issues. But the reality is it's been going on for a while. And uh, if you haven't seen the sermon, I'd really encourage you to understand the context of this conversation, to go back and listen to it um, from uh, from this past October. Uh, what, what really I set before us was the idea that we have a responsibility to hold fast to trust truth and compassion, uh, that those are two things that mark what Christ-likeness looks like. Um, And yet what happens so often is that we find ourselves leaning towards one camp or the other, and this was happened in the last year and a half, is that's, um, that's become two really polarizing camps. One camp that leans hard towards uh, truth, uh, much more analytical, high discernment, uh, and because of that, has really become a, a, a camp on that side. And then other believers, still in bounds, but who lean very much towards a Christ-like compassion. Um, they're wired in that way, and and I think the body of Christ needs both of those things. But really, there's a danger of people going over the edge uh, from being a compassionate person and then that leading them over to the edge to really some really ungodly uh, worldly solutions or being a very truth analytical person and and that really leading them over the edge uh, into some unbiblical places that they might put their hope. And so we saw there was a danger to that. Uh, we also saw there's a danger to projecting on the other believer who maybe isn't wired in the same way. Maybe they're not wired as compassionate as you, or they're not wired as, 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 critical, as much of a critical thinker as you. And so we cancel each other. And we've seen that in what feels like unprecedented ways in the last year and a half. Uh, specifically over this idea of race and politics. And so that's really where the sermon was. That was the, the crux of the sermon. The premise of the sermon is we've got these, these two camps that seem to emerge uh, that is lean hard towards compassion or leans really hard towards truth, but that the believer should be really standing in the middle, holding the tension of those two things in a Christ-like uh, way. And so I have with me here two of my favorite people for this conversation, uh, Dr. Ted Kitchens. Hey, Ted. Hey, Ben. Glad you're here. And then also Kristen Hines is with us as well. Hi, Kristen. Hello. Ted, you grew up in Fort Worth, Texas. You got your bachelor's degree at UTA. You got two master's degrees at DTS and Southwestern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary. You got a PhD at DTS. Uh, You uh, have two kiddos, Mm -hmm. one amazing wife, Lynn, who's really the reason most people like you. Amazing, yes. Yep. And then you got three grandkids. Is that right? That's correct. And Ted, you were the lead pastor of Christ Chapel Bible Church for 38 years? That's right. 38 years. And now you are, what's your role the last couple of years? Pastor of leadership development. So I'm still on staff, but I'm not the senior. And your office moved. You're no longer in the corner office. No, I'm way back by the men's bathroom. You were by the men's bathroom. True story, true or false. Every time the toilet flushes, true. It, it goes through your, you hear it through your wall. Yes, True. That's exciting. It makes me feel wanted and, and honored. <laughs> well, you are wanted and you are honored. Um, Kristen, you graduated from TCU and your degree was? English. Because you love to read. That's going to come. She is a reader, folks. It is. Uh, it honestly makes me feel like I'm not doing anything with my life when I look at how many books she reads. Uh, you got your master's at Southwestern also. Um, you have been on staff. How long have you been on staff now? 
17 years 17. this summer, I think. Wow. And all different roles. I mean, college, mm-hmm. you spend a lot of time discipling young adults, but also women's ministry. Women's ministry is where you're at now, right? Yes. Awesome. And you love to travel and you love to read and you love movies. Yeah. All those great things. <laughs> Thank you guys for being in this conversation. I respect both of you uh, so much, your love for the Lord, but also your love for God's word. And I think it's going to be really important to navigate this conversation, to help people navigate uh, what unity looks like in a biblical worldview. Um, it's it's going to be impossible to do that if we don't know God's word and, and have a love for it. So let's get started, even with this premise that my sermon set up, this idea of divisiveness at play in our current culture. Ted, you have been alive longer than us. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this. Okay, so from your perspective, Ted, it feels like things have gotten worse, just in our society, just from a 30,000-foot... Is that just narrow view? Does it seem like things are escalating in our world and in our culture in a way that just seems like every six months, every year, we look back and things are getting more and more toxic and volatile? That's true. Uh, I think it's true. Uh, I don't want to be too discouraging because those. I think everything that we're discussing now has always been here. Uh, but the world has changed, and those things have gotten worse, and the worldviews have become more and more divided. I look at it sort of like an oyster. When I was 20, 25, 30, we started this church in the early 80s. It was like the oyster was a little bit open, the shell, you could see into it, but now it's wide open and laying out there exposed to the whole world. So mm-hmm. a whole lot, of, whole lot of conversation goes on. Yeah. Between. yeah. So the answer is yes. Brokenness was there, but it feels like it's just more on display now in totally. ways that is, is dangerous. Kristen, how about you? What what have you seen, uh, and what do you think are issues that kind of seemingly lead to kind of that oyster just being open, brokenness just on display? Yeah, I think we see that. I think social media is a big, um, not that it's all bad. Sure, there are good things about it, but we see on social media a lot of this. You're either 100% with me or 100% against me. Um, This technology has also made it easier for us to Um, express our views or respond to people in ways that we wouldn't if we were talking to them Mm face-to-face. We can say things that are hurtful or mean because it's just a screen and we forget that they're real people on the other side of that. Yeah, yeah, especially as believers. What what a horrible thing to do to our witness. Yeah, that makes sense. Ted, um, we we need truth, right? We know we need truth. Absolutely. Scripture is our authority as believers, Uh, 100%. That is our, the inerrant word of... God's word. Uh, it's easy to get swept away, though, right, by wrong doctrine, by by misplacing our hope in bad worldly ideas, bad worldly theories. You know, you've you've been a pastor. You've been walking with people for a long time. Talk to us about a little bit what you've seen, where people, you know, just can get swept away, and and all of a sudden they let go of truth, and yeah, they find themselves so caught up in their own emotions that they begin to uh, abandon obedience to the word of God, uh, begin to. Uh, False theologies, contrary theologies, just to kind of meet and salve their own emotions. That's sure. pretty common, and yeah, th- and that's unfortunate because that's not good. Yeah, and Christian, on the compassion side, we know we also, as believers, need compassion, right? We, the scripture says they will know we are His by the way we love one another. I mean, it's mm-hmm. defining in us as, as followers of Jesus that we love each other well. So it's dangerous, obviously, for our faith to just become believing the right things without a capacity for grace to others, right? Without compassion, without meeting people where they're at. Talk about that, what you've seen where where people, um, it can be dangerous, where people lose sight, lose hold of compassion. They might believe the right thing, but their posture doesn't look like Christ. Yeah, I think of um, 
when Peter talks about we need to have an answer, we need to know the truth, we need to have an answer for the hope that we have, um, but he also reminds us to share that with people with gentleness and with respect. Um, we need to have compassion and humility as we are bringing the truth to people. We need to have, you know, I think that humility helps us have a teachable spirit and helps us treat other people, um, even once we disagree with, not just as an enemy, but as a fellow believer that we can interact with and have a discussion with. That's great. Okay, so there's this real value for the believer in holding that tension, right? That that we hold fast to truth without abandoning compassion, and we can be compassionate to people without abandoning truth, and that's the point. That's our witness uh, to be on display to to the world around us. Um, but there's also this real danger to swing off the cliff. You know, in, in my sermon, we talked a lot about this idea of, man, there, there are these edges that do become out of bounds. You know, a, a compassionate leaning that could very much lead to just some out of bounds theology, some poor hope, same thing on the truth side. It starts well-intentioned and it just ends up uh, putting your hope in the wrong things. That fuels divisiveness between Christians. Uh, we project on each other, you know, well, maybe they're not wired the way I'm wired, um, and so we project on them, okay, well, that person must be too woke or that person must be racist because they don't react the way I react. And even as believers, we throw that around so much. Uh, we cancel each other. I want to get into that tension. Ted, how have you seen Christians stereotype or even cancel other Christians? Well, for one, what, what I see regularly uh, in the church, in the Christian community is, um, Christians coming at each other in, in fear. Uh, these are uh, Bible-believing, God-honoring, mm-hmm. uh, obedient Christians who are out in the world. They see what the, what's going on in the world. They see this different worldview being acted out, and so it impacts their children, their grandchildren. They see the future of our country, and it frightens them very much. And as God's people, they think, all right, this is something God can handle. He's sovereign. He can handle this. But the only God presence on this earth happens to be the hands and feet of Jesus or the church or other Christians, particularly the church. And so they come to the church looking for help and demanding certain things. And so soon they become at odds with uh, with other Christians, other leaders, because they, they, they see this compassion thing out of bounds, and sure. it frightens them because if you continue that, it goes, as you said earlier in your introduction, it just gets to the point where you, the world is completely out of control. So the answer is yes, I see it. I see it in Christians frightened and fearful about everything. Yeah, yeah. And, and as well, it's well intended, uh, but they, we, we end up canceling each other because, totally. well, they yeah. don't project the way. How about you, Kristen? In the same way, have you kind of seen that uh, Christian stereotyping or canceling other Christians, that lack of unity within the church? Yeah, I've definitely seen a lot. I think a lot of, and I see this in my own heart, not just in other people as well, but uh, the tendency to make assumptions about somebody else based on the very little bit you know about them or based on something that they didn't do. So we see, you know, oh, this person didn't post something or they Uh, didn't say this. And so immediately we assume, oh, they don't care. They don't care. Yeah, They don't care about this at all instead of having grace when we think about other people and saying, you know, patience is a virtue. It's good to get your thoughts together and pray about it and get your words together. And, and maybe people don't post on social media, but they have conversations in real life. Um, I think this making assumptions really 
helps us cancel each other. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, we, we talk, um, let's talk about believers who are potentially wired to be more compassionate, right? And and wired in that way who, you know, whatever, whatever social issue, right? That they're just, and the body of Christ needs those people, right? The body of Christ needs those uh, tenderhearted people um, who are, you know, innocent as doves, scripture would say, uh, to be a part, a voice of, of the church. But thoughts, and Kristen, I'm going to start with you. Thoughts on what, at times, an overreaction from compassion might look like. Somebody who starts in a place where, oh man, my heart breaks for this community or this culture or you know, people of color or whatever, whatever the social issue is of the day, but then that can turn into frustration that isn't from the Lord. And then really that can turn into isolation and even eventually could turn into just poor, poor solutions, you know, looking for worldly solutions to fix social issues and those become our gods. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on some of, some of what you've seen in that, in that sphere. Yeah, I definitely see that isolation that you talked about. We get frustrated. They're not seeing things the way I am automatically. And so I'm going to turn away and I'm going to only talk to the people who are just like me. Um, I'm willing to listen to people who are like me, but not to the people who are not like me or maybe think differently. Um, And yeah, turning, like you said, turning to um, maybe whatever the most popular worldly theory is, as this is how we should fix issues, um, instead of looking at scripture first and taking that time to say, how would the Lord guide me to help be part of this? That's good. That's good. And and you kind of already started to say this, but the idea of believers should be marked by compassion. What are some, what's compassion in a healthy way? In the sermon, I talked about Jesus, his interaction with the woman uh, who's caught in adultery. Then the, the tension that he walked perfectly, because he's Jesus, uh, where he doesn't abandon truth. He doesn't change the rules. Sin was sin. He calls her to never sin again. He calls, he holds her accountable and to, to repent, but he also meets her with just an incredible amount of compassion and even defends her and, and really gets down in the dirt with her and, and protects her ultimately Jesus held those tension well. What for you, Kristen? What are some some healthy um, manifestations of compassion that you think are beneficial for the body of Christ, specifically in the the issues that we've been walking through with with race and politics in the last year and a half? I think a great thing that um, people who tend to be more compassionate get right is, you know, thinking about that scripture in Romans that says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Um, I think the implication there isn't that the reasons we're rejoicing or weeping are necessarily mine. They're someone else's. So that means I'm listening to them and I'm learning from them and I'm taking their thoughts and feelings seriously and meeting them there and joining them in it. Um, And then, I mean, yes, then we we speak into it. We don't just sit there, but we also have the conversation with them and talk about what that means and where we go from here. Yeah. Kristen, one of the things I really respect about you is you are a reader. I mean, you are a reader. (laughs) You are really good at listening to other voices. And I think you read the Bible uh, more than anything. How many, you've read the Bible, right? I have. How many times have you read the Bible? Oh, well, it's a, I it was don't a children's know. Bible. Ch- it was yeah. <laughs> the, child, the animated children's Bible. How many times you've read it? Ballpark. Oh, the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, all. I mean, I know at least probably eight to ten different years. I've done a read the whole Bible in the, the year. Bible. I'm doing one of those right now. That's awesome. Okay, yeah. I know you love the Bible. I know you spend a ton of time in it, but you also read a ton of other books. Mm-hmm. How many books have you read this last year? Last year. I read 153 books. <laughs> Ted, how many books did you read? Three. <laughs> that 
that's not true. Oh, okay, not true. but I, I'm embarrassed. To... <laughs> yeah, 150. Okay, well, last year we had some various reasons there to was, be home a lot more. There was a pandemic, <laughs> yeah. But I think maybe I read one extra book. Uh, I didn't read. I didn't read 152 extra books. Um, okay, okay. So my point is this: you read a ton. Right. And, and even in, in cultural issues and all kinds of stuff, Kristen, I know you, you have had other believers who've seen stuff maybe you've read or, or been reading. And in, in this is a, this illustrates a point. Well, they thought, oh no, she's reading that book or, oh no, they, they offer that solution in that book. Or we don't know if we fully agree with, with, uh, you know, the background of that author and have kind of then put you in that camp of, you know, you're too woke. Mm-hmm. Well, what, you know, what does that look like? Talk about that and, and. Yeah, what what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have experienced that. You're right. Um, and I think I think it's good to read other perspectives. But even within that, I mean, this is where we get into the assumptions. People have made assumptions mm-hmm. about books I've read based on other books that I've read. And there are there are things that I won't read. There are people I won't go to to read all of their thoughts on what's wrong with the world and how to fix that. Um, but even the, the books that I do try to read, especially ones that are starting as believers who are sharing their thoughts, that doesn't mean I agree with all of their, um, their conclusions. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything we read and hear and intake has to be taken back to Scripture. Mm-hmm. We got to compare it to the Word of God to make sure— it's true. That's Even so someone who's a Christian. That's so Even good. what we're saying right now, everyone listening, yeah. compare it to the word of God. Yeah. Don't just take it because yeah, it's the lens. we're saying yeah. it. Look through the lens of scripture. And then you don't have to be so fearful to, to not have to read. Now, is there some wisdom though about, you know, maybe some people who should slow down or set boundaries of what they allow to influence them? Because you even have boundaries to say, you know, I'm not reading those authors because mm-hmm. I know I know where they're trying to influence their readers. You can also, you're very discerning and you read a lot, so you can hold that tension of reading some people that you might not fully agree with, but still being able to listen to, to those kind of conversations through a biblical lens. Is there wisdom, though, for others that you'd say, hey, people should have some boundaries, people should you know, should draw the line on some of those things, what, what would that wisdom be? Yeah, I would say first and foremost, before you're reading anything else, be reading the scriptures. Read, True. you know, I read a lot of things, but I, every day I read the word of God before I read other things. Mm-hmm. And if you don't feel like, if you think if I read something, I'm not going to be able to tell if they're telling me something wrong or if they're using scripture in the wrong way, then First, study the scripture, get to know it, read the whole thing, learn what it actually says, what the whole story of the Bible is, so that then when you read other things, you'll notice. That's so good. That's so good. I hope people have ears to hear that. I really do. Yeah, I've uh, often used the illustration of how the government uses uh, counterfeit money, how they teach you to spot the IRS or other agents to spot counterfeit money. They They make you memorize, burn it in your brain, what the real thing looks like. Yeah. And then you know immediately your eye catches these areas where it's counterfeit. That's good. Study the real thing. Study the truth. Yep. I love it. Okay, Ted, uh, how about you, right? I'm sure, um, you know, people would probably have stereotyped you, right, on the opposite side of the fence maybe. You know, you're not on social media, but you are this public figure. And and I I would imagine they project on you how you should react to certain things, how you should emote to certain social issues. And if you haven't emoted in those ways, or you, there's probably been some grenades 
from believers thrown your way as well in this season. Yeah, right? quite a, yeah, quite a few. You know, one, one interesting thing about that, Ben, is like when I fly on an airplane and someone asks me what I do, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not quick to tell them I'm a pastor because they immediately it changes everything yeah. completely, and yeah. that's part of that, that, that. What you're saying, an illustration just happened a couple of weeks ago where an individual knows I'm a pastor, therefore I'm coming down on the side of truth, mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. the scripture says. Hopefully, I, uh, we do, and we do. Uh, and this person uh, was came to a wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a memorial, excuse me, a funeral. <laughs> Big difference. Came to a, a funeral. I was officiating the funeral for a gentleman that went to our church for years. Well, his son called me long distance and wanted to put this together from a distance, and we were glad to, to serve this family. So when he finally arrives a couple of weeks later, uh, I didn't I had no idea this is true. Uh, folks were coming into the church uh, for the for the funeral. And I introduced myself to one gentleman that I'd never seen before. He's from another state. And uh, I asked, introduced myself several times, and I said, where do you fit in this? Uh, thinking that he's a, a uncle or a, you know, a cousin or something. And, and he finally said, well, uh, I'm the partner of the gentleman, the son, who put this whole memorial together. And uh, I said, well, good to have you. So at the, at the end of the memorial, when everything was done, he, in a private way, he came up to me and said, I want to thank you for, for treating me normally. I expected you when you asked me, uh, where do you fit in? And I told you I'm his partner mm-hmm. to yes. throw me out of the church. Wow. He said that. even, And he said, as a Christian, I just feared that. And so I said, well, I don't agree with your lifestyle, but I would never throw you out of the church. Yeah. And so that's an illustration of where he immediately assumed that- Just projected on you. No compassion. You must be homophobic because you're a Christian. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. How about even in that? That's fascinating. How about even in, you know, race and in, in this context, the last year and a half, people who have just thought, oh, Ted, you're not woke enough because you're not, you know, kind of stepping in or, or, or expressing yourself the way that we feel like we are, or we're wired to. What's that? Has that been? Yeah. People in the community uh, where I you know, work out, live around, uh, have expressed at times a uh, a uh, little discontent in how they see our involvement, my involvement in the church's sure, involvement in sure. those particular needs of people of color, and, sure. and they're everywhere today, yeah. and they're highlighted today. So answer is yes. Yeah, and, and it feels like you know we we do that on both sides. We project, okay, this person, Kristen over here, she she must be um, she must be way far down the the slope over here on this side, uh, or they project on on someone on the other side. Oh, they're not emoting or or sharing what we want them to share on social media the way we are. Uh, and it becomes divisive. I mean, it becomes Christians taking other Christians to, to, to the court of public opinion. I mean, the, the divisiveness that happens on social media, the gossip, uh, the slander that happens to that, and it affects our witness. Um, Ted, talk to us um, about fear specifically, because you, you tease that out. Do you see fear affecting Christians in ways that are dangerous, specifically those Christians who maybe even more like yourself, even though I do think you do a really good job, Ted, of holding that tension, um, but who are wired to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to really start with, I'm going to take it slow. I'm going to be discerning. Uh, I'm going to hold really fast to truth. People who are wired in that way, how is fear affecting Christians? How, how is, how is it dangerous? Well, it makes them hostile. Uh, it's sort of like an individual who's drowning. Uh, one thing I was taught as a scout getting my merit badges, um, you never try to save a drowning person because they'll drown you too. And that's sort of what I see. 
uh, within the Christian community. And another thing that, that's is interesting is conspiracy theories rise to the surface pretty quickly yeah. in this environment and a lack of hope. Hmm. And if there's anything a Christian needs to stand for is hope is hope, because yeah. we have the hope. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I definitely see this fear has uh, implications in our in our context. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but piggybacking off that, isn't there a reason to be afraid, Ted? I mean, our, as Christians, right, we, we see the world, we're not fools, we see what's happening. So is there a difference between concern and discernment, as opposed to kind of that fear that becomes a, a thrashing in the water kind of drowning person? I mean, our world is going crazy. So I I think we understand to some degree where the fear comes from. Yeah. Well, there's a difference between cons- between concern and uh, discernment. Um, as opposed to I, just fear. I, yeah. As, uh, concern and, and, and fear. Uh, concern is, in my opinion, strategically understanding the problem and having a way to speak into it with hope and purpose. Fear is having no hope, hope, and nothing but anger and hostility toward the problem. So there's a great deal of difference between the two, and, and we're called in the scriptures, as you mentioned, to be concerned. Yeah. I, I'm concerned about it. Yeah. I, I am, uh, but I'm trying to be strategic about how I handle it, how I speak of it, and how and how I walk into it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. And we've all talked, even off mic, the three of us. I mean, I, there's a lot to be concerned for. Yeah, I'm raising I'm raising two boys, yeah. you know, in this world. You've got three grandkids, and this is the the country that they're going to grow up in. It, it would be crazy for us to just have our head in the sand. And so I think to say don't be afraid isn't to say be foolish. No. Isn't to say don't isn't to say be blind, but it is to say where is our hope centered on, yeah. and that's going to affect the reaction. Yeah. Are we are we fear based, or do we see? Do we see genuine concern and uh, and step into it with hope? Well, there are three words I think are important as Christians to remember in in, in this conversation. That one is uh, wisdom to understand what truth really is. I mean, what's really going on out there that's true and what's not true. Uh, then, of course, humility. We have to be humble as Christians to understand that. Uh, we don't have all the answers, but we do have the answer ultimately. And just there's a humility about Christians that's attractive to the world that Jesus had. And then finally, hope. And that's those three words, wisdom, humility, and hope. That's what's lacking, in my opinion, a great deal. Yeah, that's good. I want to use an illustration. I think this is a, obviously it's a hot button word and, and term, uh, which I think kind of helps make my point. But Black Lives Matter, right? Black Lives Matter is an organization Right, that is it. Really, as as an organization, it is not promoting a biblical worldview. Uh, we, we would, I would make the argument at least, um, and is ultimately run by people who aren't. They don't have the same biblical foundation that that I do or we do, um, and that's not their end goal. Um, and so we see that organization with truth and with discernment, um, and and I also oftentimes throughout this saga of the last year and a half, we saw people who really leaned with truth and discernment as kind of these warriors who would raise the red flag and validly say, stay away. Simultaneously, though, what happened in this just perfect storm the last year and a half was that Black Lives Matter, and and the reality is most people, a lot of people, I should say, many, many people, they knew Black Lives Matter only as a sentiment. Right, that be, that was being shared because at that time in our country there was a disproportionate amount of hurt by people of color and in the black community. And so you've got compassionate people who are just grieving with their fellow brothers who are sharing a sentiment that black lives matter to us. 
And then you have more analytical, you know, discerning types who are getting fired up that we should stay away because the organization that's tied to that sentiment, um, you know, is a, is an organization that would lead us to honestly horrible solutions. Ultimately, I think that that was such an interesting uh, anomaly that happened this last um, year and a half to watch that happen because you saw two camps emerge. They were saying the same thing, but have very different meanings, and we we didn't have ears to hear. Right. And so you had one camp canceling the other camp. You guys are a bunch of liberals because you are saying Black Lives Matter, and you got people on this side saying you guys are a bunch of racists because you're not willing to say Black Lives Matter. And so you had Christians just canceling each other left and right. Um, and I just I I watched that happen. And as a pastor, especially a pastor as uh, of young adults, walk with a lot of young adults, and what I do, it became this self fulfilling prophecy. It became, I saw, I saw this a lot with parents who were scared and I get it. I've got boys, young boys scared that their kids were rolling off the cliff into, you know, secular liberal ideas and ideologies that were, uh, that are dangerous, validly dangerous. Yes. They're scared. And so because they're scared, their reaction is just no capacity to be able to sit and listen to their kid. Because their kid's just responding with compassion. He's at his college campus and he's hearing some ideas and hey, he wants to, you know, oh man, yeah, we, we really are hurting with these people. Um, and, and we didn't give him a third option. And so young adults, you know, well, man, it feels like Jesus should be compassionate and they could only see two camps. There was the compassionate camp, which meant, okay, well, you're going to go liberal or there was the more conservative camp, but it it was so driven by fear in so many of those relationships that they just thought, okay, well, I know I'm not that camp. Right. So I guess I'm this camp. Right. And, I, and I watched them roll off and I watched that disunity, honestly, from parents to their kids become almost a self-fulfilling prophecy where parents are trying to keep them from the edge, but in turn, the posture of, of that became something that pushed their kids over the edge. And man, my heart broke for it. And, and certainly we see that in the church. Um, we're called to have this third option. And so the body of Christ holds fast these two things. We hope to hold fast to this truth, uh, but also with that compassion. Um, Ted, here's my question. This divisiveness that has happened, is there hope for us? Right? I, I, I think absolutely. And it really begins with me. And let me just tell you how, as a pastor, I, I, you know, I feel sometimes like a an ancient execution, you're tied to four horses and your four limbs are pulled every direction. But we still have to step into this conversation. I know families in the church, in fact, uh, well, actually not in this church, but families in our family that uh, are so strong in the compassion area. They know Jesus, walk with Jesus, so strong in the compassion area that, that they, there are times when their presence and our presence there's a tension there mm -hmm. because we don't talk about it because we're afraid it's going to explode into some kind of anger. Uh, so here's what I do. I, I just share with you what, what, how I go about handling this the idea of having a thoughtful conversation that gives us hope, in my opinion. First, I, I, I try to self-identify. Which side of this am I on? Am I more dedicated to the truth side or, or compassion side? The answer should be in the middle, the pathway, which is mm -hmm. a unity, which is what this is about, what your message was about and what this conversation's about. But I say, okay, I, I'm definitely a truth guy. I have a PhD in, in systematic theology. Mm -hmm. That's like the center of the granite <laughs> in the center of the granite. It's uh -huh. just right there in the very middle. Okay, so I start off saying, okay, that's who I am. I know that. You know your wiring. That's right. So 
I'm automatically going to have a certain disposition toward someone who puts who who is compassionate towards some need or some issue in the world, but they really are scratching away on the scripture. They're really not being obedient. And I could illustrate quite a few things I want. The second thing I do is I, I, I try to practice asking the question, so tell me what you're really feeling. Or a better one is help me understand what you're really thinking. Why, why, why would you hold this without being condescending in that question? And, and then thirdly, I listen. I'm trying to listen because I haven't been listening real well. I don't hear too well. I you, know, you ask me this, how about this issue or that issue out there in the culture, I'm thinking, I, come on, uh, I, I, I don't listen too well. Yeah. So listening and then finally displaying grace whenever there's a dis- disagreement that's open on the table, but showing grace, not anger in my voice, not lack of, of compassion or lack of, of, of uh, consideration to how they really feel, but really just saying, okay, let's have great, let's talk about this. What about this idea? What about that? And so leaping into a conversation uh, is not a good idea. What I like to do is prepare myself, and that takes training, thinking through these four points repeatedly. Mm. Who am I? I mean, kind of self-identified. So I know what my what my normal expectations or response uh-huh. is going to be to any issue. Secondly, asking questions. Third, be a good listener, which we're, none of us are really very good at that, actually. And fourth, just remembering grace, grace, grace for the name of Jesus, because humility and wisdom and hope are the yeah. things that bring this about. I love that. I think those are, I think those are four great things that if we could just apply. And I and I love that you started with, it starts with me in the sense of, yeah. this isn't a broad thing that we need to fix everyone else. This is let's just start with us. Mm-hmm. What are the ways that I can I can step into it? And if every believer would do that, if every believer would do those four things, man, there could be some sweet unity. There'd be a ton of growth. We'd learn a lot more. Um, that's that's great, Kristen. How about you? What are Ted, Ted has got me kind of thinking maybe there's hope for the church. Maybe there's hope for <laughs> maybe. the world. Obviously, we, we believe that. Where does that come from? What are some steps for you that you see some, specifically around this idea of unity for believers? Something that um, I've been thinking about a lot lately that's been helpful for me is thinking about Jesus and the disciples and um, just thinking about the makeup of those people who were with him all day, every day for years, um, traveling, serving, living life together. Um, those disciples were really different from each other. Mm. They had a lot of differences of opinion. They came from different um, backgrounds. They came from different jobs. Uh, some of them had very different ideas on how to deal with the Romans and the government at the time, they had different thoughts about what Jesus would do. And yet they were unified around following Jesus. They still worked together and served together and loved people together um, because they focused on him and they learned from him and they didn't say, well, my way is the right way. They said, Jesus's way is the way. Um, They unified around him and that is what will keep us together and help us navigate all of this. That's beautiful. Would the body of Christ be unified around Christ Mm -hmm. and hold fast to what is true and protect people against bad ideas and bad doctrine, but also be able to grieve and listen and fellowship? Mm -hmm. Uh, What a witness that would be to to the world around us. A couple of few things, a couple of just quick things before before I kind of get y'all's final um, encouragement is something that I've seen and love for either one of you guys to speak into this, but Matthew 18. 
You know, one of the, Matthew 18 is a, is a textbook for us of how to handle biblical conflict as believers. That was one of the things that just didn't happen well so much in, in the, it doesn't happen a lot in this dialogue. When do you guys talk about that? The importance of if we are offended, if we see someone, you know, scared, you know, if we see, if we're scared of, oh no, they're going over the edge or that person's reading something I disagree with, or that person isn't posting enough, they must not you know, care. What's the, what's the biblical move? Kristen? Talk to them. Talk to them. <laughs> and I mean, I can speak to that too. And by as... talk to them, you mean type in all caps on social media and yell at them, right? You're That's a jerk. A... Right. That's what I mean. Talk okay. to them about why you hate them. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. No. Um, and I can speak to this as, you know, something that kind of happened to me, people making assumptions about you know, I don't even I don't even totally know what it was that they were uh, making assumptions about or why because they didn't talk to me. Sure. They I know that they talked to some other people and those people said, "Go talk to her. Yeah. I ask her these questions. I don't know the answers of what she's thinking, but yeah. she does. Go talk yeah. to her. Ask her them." And um and they didn't. Yeah. But I did hear what some of those questions were and it's like, "Yeah, we we could have talked about this and yeah. had a good conversation, but Instead, now there's we couldn't come to any unity because no one would make that first step. Sure, I had a I had a buddy who um, preached a sermon at a at a church, and it was a is similar to Christ Chapel, real you know conservative Bible Bible believing solid theological church. Um, and it was around the around it was last summer, you know, in in the midst of a lot of that that turmoil, and specifically around um, uh, the George Floyd you know, killing, and and uh, he preached a sermon that was just really compassionate you know, just laced with compassion. And it was so interesting to see the reaction from certain mm-hmm. people who, because of the language of compassion that was used, just thought, whoa, you know, these words, these are the words that the far left, way down the hill, these are the words they use. And so that language of compassion triggered them and they didn't talk to him. Mm-hmm. They just left his church. And uh, and I remember months later talking to somebody who had left and I just thought, well, what happened? Well, they used, and I was like, well, did you approach him? Did you go? Because cause I, I knew that buddy. I'd gone to, to school with him and I knew where he was at theologically, but we don't approach people. We just make assumptions. We cancel them. And I, I think the body of Christ is less healthy because of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because honestly, maybe that pastor could have learned some things. Oh, that, okay, I'll, I'll tweak my language. There's, there's some things that he could have probably learned too from uh, from uh, maybe believers who who lean different ways. So I think that's good. Ted, give us advice. You have you have some advice on intaking media. You know, how much media, social media, news, that obviously we can kind of listen to any kind of narrative that can feed our fear, feed our frustration. Yeah. What's some advice? We have to be disciplined. Yeah. We have to remember that what we hear, what we see, they, they do impact us. They... Yeah help us construct different values in our lives. That's why reading the scripture is so important. I say limit your screen time. I am I don't do Facebook or any of those, Twitter or any of that, because first it's a avenue for people to beat on me. Yeah. And I'm 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 actually sensitive, believe it or not. Yeah. And I don't I don't like to be hated. Yeah. Uh, but but so I just think it's be wise. You could poison yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, do you think that the, that really you need all that information. It's yeah. just not necessary. Yeah. And now the social media is now targeting uh, whatever you purchase something. Uh-huh. Uh, now you get all these different yeah. sales on that exact same type of product because they know who you are. They profiled you. And that just makes it worse. So if you're into bad conspiracy theories, you're going to have 10 <laughs> more conspiracy <laughs> theories by bedtime that yeah. night. Just 
be wise, be discerning. Yeah, that idea of an echo chamber is is one of the things that came up a lot the last season of our of our culture. Yeah, you know, we we get isolated and it's in an echo chamber. Everyone agrees with us, and even from a media standpoint, we will. I can find a media source, or I can find a media source that will affirm whatever narrative I totally. want to believe. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yep. I actually heard you say one time you just stopped watching the news. I don't remember when. That's but well, there was a period of time you're like, ah, I'm just done. Watching almost the news. two years ago. Yeah, you yeah. just stopped watching. It wasn't productive. wasn't good for. And the truth is, when I have stopped to watch it occasionally, like recently, I already knew everything. Right. I already yeah. knew everything from just some quick screenshot that came to me on, uh, yeah. or some, or someone yeah. mentions it in the yeah. hallways. Yeah. I'm not haven't missed out on anything. Yeah, you haven't missed out on anything. Okay. Well, here is uh, here's our final my my final question to you guys. Um, give us some advice, Ted, we'll, we'll start with you. Give, give us some advice on, um, to anyone who might be fearful. And I, I think hopefully they hear us say that if they're listening and they lean in that camp, I hope they hear it. There is a lot of valid things to be concerned about. We don't want to make light of that, but give us some advice on how we can manage the fear that takes very valid, scary things in our world and then turns them into ungodly fear. Mm-hmm. G- give us some advice. Well, first, I have a lot of hope. Christians use a lot of scripture already that's just marvelous, but let me just give you a few. Uh, first, first John 4, 4 says, Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Mm-hmm. Christian, remember that you have the very presence of the living God inside you. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart, trusting him, and many other passages. But one that really comes to mind at this point is John 14, 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Mm-hmm. Jesus is not saying that the disciples there don't be concerned about what's going to happen in the, in the next few hours. He'll be crucified. Don't be concerned. He's not saying don't be concerned about the future or the expansion of the, of the kingdom, but he's let not your hearts be troubled. Yeah. And when I think about that, I think, well, why? And that's because God is in control of those who are in control. That's good. That's good. You used Daniel as an illustration earlier. Yeah, you know, look at think about Daniel's life. He's this young Jew taken to Babylon. He he be, became a, the second most powerful man in the country, sort of like Joseph did mm-hmm. in Egypt. But the bottom line is they changed his name. They took away his ability to have a family. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a eunuch. He mm-hmm. became a eunuch. He was surrounded by at least 75 different gods, Babylonian gods. And yet he was obedient to the scriptures, to God's word, and he was faithful in in the context of a completely lost and dying world, Mm -hmm. which doesn't even exist today. Why can't we do that? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's, Mm. that's good. That's, that's encouraging. Um, We can, we have a God who's in control. Um, There's a lot to be hopeful there. Kristen, how about you? Advice to someone who might be frustrated, right? More on the compassion side. They're frustrated. They're, they're angry that that we're not doing enough, that the world isn't doing enough, the country's not stepping in and fixing the issues like, like we should. The kingdom isn't here yet, mm-hmm. and they're mad about it. I get it. Give us some advice. I think a couple things. I think, um, yes, we might be angry, mad, um, whatever that is, frustrated, um, but in our anger, do not sin against other people. Mm. Um, make sure we are cultivating the fruit of the spirit, that we are um, interacting with people and having these dialogues and listening to people in loving, peaceful, kind, gentle ways, all of that. Um, I also think uh, it's important that we remember in our frustrations that we serve a God who did not cancel us. Mm. Um when we disagreed with him fundamentally, uh, he came to us and 
brought us in, um, helped us see the light, brought us to the right way. Um, we don't get to cancel each other and just shut each other out because that's not what God did to us. And we deserved it. (laughs) You know, someone else doesn't deserve, they didn't hurt me that much for me to cancel them. We deserved it. And God didn't do that to us. So he wants us to be like him. And so in our frustration, we don't get to do that to other people. Wow. I appreciate both of you guys so much. I appreciate you. Yeah, I hope that this can be a conversation that doesn't fix everything, but I think even just some baby steps to figure out how we navigate as believers. There's so many issues uh, that we're going to run into, and those issues are going to change throughout the decades and throughout the years. But if we could be believers that can hold fast, holding the tension, looking like Christ, holding Mm -hmm. truth, not abandoning what we know is real and what is true and God's word uh, as our authority, but also holding fast to that compassion and looking like him. Would we trust God more and would we love people? Thank you guys so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. God bless. We hope this conversation was a blessing to you. Now we realize that we touched some hot button issues in this conversation. And so you might have some questions or something we said might have triggered maybe more fear or maybe more frustration. Well, we're the church. And so we'd love to be a safe place where you can come to us and bring those concerns, bring those questions, and we can dialogue about them in a way that brings unity and gives God glory. We say this every month at Renovate Live, but it's the idea that we love you, but let us know how we can love you more. And so reach out. You can find us on our platforms, any social media, Instagram, Facebook, but also on our website, renovateftw.org. God bless.